sacrifices of those who planted generously before, and we saw a short video with the key testimonies of those who were there at the very beginning, that very small and humble beginning, which, by the way, God honored. The countless hours painting and constructing and planning and reconfiguring and investing and teaching and leading and mentoring. All of that with the unified thought and that thought was this, that whatever it takes, every soul matters. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6, it says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. I like what the message has to say. It says, remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop, but a lavish planter gets a lavish crop. The idea is that we generously and sacrificially plant so that others can reap generously God's vision for LifePoint Church and for our community. I want to be part of, of something that's generous because... So many need to reap God's vision. I want to give generously because I know that my neighbors need a relationship with God. The bus drivers that take our kids to school each and every day need a relationship with God. Our teachers and our hairdressers, flight attendants and baristas, waiters and waitresses, gas station attendants, our city council members and administrators. Our police and EMS workers, they all need a relationship with God. And so I find it to be no coincidence that our new church facility is smack dab in the middle of this building. If you've ever walked out these double doors and taken a tour on your own, you'll notice that there's other tenants that rent in this space. Every day of the week, we've got people with blind eyes and blurred vision coming to see a doctor. We've got people with failing kidneys, failing livers, and blood conditions coming to see doctors and coming to have their blood cleaned. We've got kids, young adults, families, and couples that come every week for counseling for their relationships, for their kids, to have their trust issues and their anger issues and their drug issues, their alcohol issues. Some of them hate their own lives and are contemplating life itself and then we have a dentist right here and I have nothing spiritual to say really about the dentist <laughs> other than Psalms 3 7 it says and thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly <clears throat> but guess what today we get to celebrate because in the midst of all of the heartache and in the midst of all the confusion and the pain and the suffering we know the greatest physician we know the greatest miracle worker. We know the only giver and taker of life. The peacemaker, the storm calmer. We know the great I am. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16 in the NLT, it says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone that's in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. And here's why. So that everyone, not a few, not a couple, so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. And so it's no coincidence that we're here in this building. It's about doing whatever it takes because every soul matters. 
And so one of the seeds that we're planting is the vision that God gave us. It's something that God has written on our hearts to expand his kingdom, to see lives restored and to reach far beyond what we could possibly fathom. And then we get to celebrate God's faithfulness, his faithfulness in his plan, growing and building lives and leaving a legacy for generations to come. I want to invest big for that reason. Recently, I was talking with my plumber. If you don't have a plumber, you should all have a plumber. And he goes to one of these mainstream denominal churches in in Racine, and he was telling me that recently they had to consolidate with a couple other churches in the area because their churches are failing. Attendance is down, and they don't know what to do. It can't be because people don't want a relationship with God. The Asbury College Revival is a testimony to the fact that people want something that's real. People want something that's tangible. I want to be a part of the interviews like we watched last week in the video. 30 years from now, I want to be interviewed on all the cool and exciting things that God did. I want to share stories about how we had church in a little building at 560 Bayview Road and how we came here. I want to share stories about how when we came to this building, a certain person by the name of Dave changed a water pipe without shutting the water off first, (laughs) thinking he could stop the pressure with his hand. And then our bathroom was a water park. It's about the memories, the legacy that we get to leave for all the generations to come. And God is faithful. And today we get to celebrate his faithfulness for all the things that he's already done and for where he's brought us to. So glad that you're here. And uh, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to uh, Esther chapter 4, verse 14. And I just want to take a moment and talk to you a little bit. And there's something exciting is that, and and the kids can be dismissed at this time, we are going to uh, have worship at the end of the sermon. And we're just, it's just going to be amazing. And we're going to write testimonies and it's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. But I just want to talk to you for a moment, if that's okay. Esther chapter 4, verse 14. I'm in the New Living Translation. And it says this, that if you keep quiet at a time like this, I mean, usually people are trying to tell us to keep quiet, right? Hey, simmer down, chill out, right? But here's Mordecai, and he says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, watch this. He says, deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your relatives will die. What's more, who can say but that you have been elevated to the palace for just such a time as this. There's a lot of stuff to unpack here, right? And we're going to do that. But for the next couple moments, I want to talk to you truly about celebrating the present and this present day power that we can be a part of. Will you help me pray? Precious Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace and your power and your anointing. I pray that you just touch our lives, continue to lead us and guide us into what you have for us. We love you. We honor you in the precious and holy name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Go ahead and give someone a high five and have a seat.
I don't know how many history buffs that we have out there, but uh, um, there was this thing called the Civil War at one point um, in our history, and I read this story, and it was about Robert Lee, um, General Robert Lee, and he was part of the Confederacy, and he was a Confederate general, and he had a bud, and his bud was General James Ewell Brown Stewart. Now, maybe you've heard of him. Uh, he was a, another general that supported uh, Robert Lee, uh, but he was known as Jeb. So we'll be referring to him as Jeb. Jeb um, and Lee had been friends for years uh, before the Civil War began, serving together in the U.S. Army, numerous military campaigns throughout the 1850s. And Jeb was trustworthy, he was unflinching, and he was very brave an expert in reconnaissance, and despite his particular flair for the dramatic, in other words, what he would do is he would uh, often lead his men into battle sporting a red cape, an ostrich plum, and drenched in cologne. Jeb was a serious soldier. And General Lee said that Jeb was the only commander he trusted to bring infallible Reliable intel. He, he said this, that Lee said that he called Jeb his eyes. He, were, he was his eyes. Jeb literally ran circles around the Union Army and the Potomac and reported every detail of their movement back to General Lee. Jeb's intel gave Lee the advantage at Second Bull Run, um, and by the summer of 1863, momentum in the war was swinging towards the Confederacy. But in that moment, Robert E. Lee needed him most. Jeb did not show up. The story goes like this, that um, in June of 1863, Lee embarked on an audacious march north into the very heart of the Union, and he ordered Jeb to parallel his march in the west through the valley. Instead, following a hunch, Jeb went east. He was attempting against orders to outflank the Union Army once again, but his decision left General Lee in the dark for eight days. And during the time, Lee blindly stumbled across a group of soldiers at Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, who he assumed were a ragtag local militia. Because Lee's eyes were off wandering miles away, Lee had no clue that he had encountered the western tip of the primary Union Army. And by the time Jeb's cavalry arrived in Gettysburg on July 2nd, he was too late. The Battle of Gettysburg was nearly over, and furious Lee called Jeb into his headquarters, and Lee could say was this, General Stewart, where have you been? See, at Jeb arrived when Lee expected him, historians say that the Battle of Gettysburg might have gone differently. Instead, Gettysburg marked the turning point in the war, the Civil War. General Lee must have asked himself again and again, General Stewart, why were you late? Where were you? I think to myself, what appropriate questions when faced with a pivotal moment, right? 
A moment is described as a precise point in time. Pivotal moments are big and little moments of clarity that provide us with new perspectives and opportunities to change our life. Have you ever had a pivotal moment in your life? One that I had was when I married Amy. I know. She changed my life. Made it better. My question today is, do we want to ask, where were you? So I'm sitting in the music room, the ladies' prayer room slash music room. And it is 1130. And I'm just sitting there and my friend is there and he's playing, getting ready for the wedding. And it hit me that I am about to give up my life. <laughs> I'm sitting there and, I, and I'm like, what in the world? I'm not ready for this. I love this woman with all my heart. I don't know what to do. I, I literally had this moment and, and um, Mr. Uh, Davidson, he said, Greg Davidson, he gave me some words of wisdom. And he says, you know what? It's all right. <laughs> it's like, that's what I needed. I, I, I needed just, and then everything switched. It was a pivotal, pivotal moment in my life that went on to fuel, I think, some of the greatest blessings that I've ever enjoyed. We've all had those moments, haven't we? But sometimes... We wonder what would have happened if we wouldn't have showed up. I don't even want to think about that. See, this is where we find ourselves concerning, I think, the kingdom of God. This is where we find ourselves. And I want you to know something. You need to understand this. Watch. The will of God is active. Right? Meaning that it is still moving and it's still growing and it's still expanding and God still is using us and he's using you. Look at your neighbor, put your finger in their face and go, he's using you. This is, some of you are really liking that. This is it. God, his, his will is still active and, and, and we're not regulated to just sit on the bench and just watch God's will play out. He wants us to be actual actors in the story, right? His will provides opportunities for us to be key actors in the story, key actors and participants in the story of deliverance and of, of hope and of life change. Man. And with God, it's our prayers. It's our efforts in sharing the gospel. It's, it's, it's literally standing against evil. It's the demonstration of compassion and patient mercy that makes a difference. I feel like you need a scripture. Okay, uh, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. 
This is a present day power moment, right? This, this, this is what we're doing, what we need to do, because that sets us up to, to capture the moment that God has for us. Oh, right. I don't want to just sit back. See, today what we're doing is we're celebrating the, the present. We're taking account of, of where we are now. That's what we're doing. And I believe everyone has asked this question in some manner or way uh, at, at different times in your life. And the question is where and how will you engage? How will we remain relevant in the world that we live in? The goal isn't to go up north and get a cabin and shut ourselves off from the world. And I know some of you are like, that sounds really fun. That isn't the goal as the church. See, when I became to be a part of the church, I now said, God, I'm going to help. I'm, I'm going to be a part of the Great Commission. I, I'm going to minister. I'm going to see lives change. And I'm going to use everything I have to be a part of it. Can I get an amen? In our opening scripture, we were introduced to the story of a challenge to engage in a moment. We were in the book of Esther, and um, by the way, it's a, a Jewish history between 483 and 471 B.C. before Christ. And uh, the Jews at this time are in Persia. Um, under King Arxerxes. And, and what has happened is, when, when you're jumping into Esther and reading this, is that the queen has been dethroned. Um, and the reason why the queen has been dethroned is because King Arxerxes was drunk and he had it with all his pals and his buddies and he wanted everybody to view his wife who was so beautiful, Queen Vashti. And, and, and so he called for Queen Vashti and she said, woman rights, I'm not coming. <laughs> I, I don't know if she said that, but it sounds appropriate. And she's like, I will not be paraded. I am not an object. right? I okay. <clears throat> So any, I got an amen, I got an amen. <laughs> so King Arxerxes says, what am I going to do, right? And his advisors say, you can't allow this to happen. If you allow this to happen, then we're going to have women all over the place not listening to their husbands. I mean, they, they, they went down the rabbit hole, right? I mean, they just went crazy. So anyway, he dethroned her. She was not the queen anymore. So there was a new search for a new queen, and uh, king, the king finds Esther to be someone's pleasing to him. So Esther's made queen, and, but during this time, um, you know, she has family. We all have family, don't we? And, uh, and there was some drama, and the drama was that the prime minister, a.k.a. the bad guy, Haman, um, he... Uh, doesn't like one of her family members whose name is Mordecai and uh, he doesn't quite know but but uh, she is family and uh, so he um, he literally manipulates the king to come up with a law that he can kill all the Jews in Persia now that's a big deal right it's a big deal that I'm gonna do genocide right that we're gonna eradicate a whole nation and and but nobody knows that Esther is actually a Jew so once Mordecai finds out, he, he goes to his cousin, Esther, the queen, and he asks for her help. Now watch what happens. He basically says, where are you and will you engage? 
She gives an excuse. Didn't you see what happened to Queen Vashti? She was dethroned. I mean, it wasn't a good thing, right? Set back women's rights by a lot. <laughs> and now you want me to receive the same fate? So here we are at our opening scripture. Esther, chapter 4, verse 14. And this is his response to her. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. And what's more, who can say but that you have been elevated to the palace for just such a time as this? What a powerful capture of the present time, right? What a great moment. In today's world, we're plagued with oodles of causes to be a part of. In fact, I don't know if I've seen as much confusion as I have in my whole life. People don't know. They're confused. They don't know their sexuality. They don't know their identity, they don't, they don't know so much. They, they don't know where truth even lies and where to even look for truth. See, I think many times we can try to demonize that, but the truth is there's confusion. And how important is it now that the church stands up with truth? Right? Not to the demise, but to the putting way of false philosophies that destroy mankind. I would say that maybe, maybe such a time is this for the church today. So much pain, so much suffering out there. So here we are. we see that Esther is dealing with some of the same confusion. She's forgot who she is, hasn't she? She's might be living off of or led by her own ambitions to live or her own feelings. But this is where she was, and then she realized that more was at stake. That a whole world, a whole people would be decimated. Maybe it was the idea of the deliverance for the Jews would rise from another place, that she would lose her place in history, maybe. Maybe it was that potentially her relatives and family would die, or maybe it was that God had actually elevated her to a position for a reason. I mean, think about that. Think about knowing that God has put you someplace for a moment. Think about all the martyrs that were told to recant their belief in Jesus Christ 
and they chose not to. Have you ever heard of some of the stories, how they were filleted alive or boiled in oil or put on great stakes, impaled on stakes just because they were standing up for Jesus Christ? They had that moment, too, for such a time as this. And I read those stories. I have a book called The Book of Martyrs, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and I read those stories, and I'm inspired and I pray that I have as much bravery and courage when I'm faced with my for such a time as this. Whatever it was, she met her pivotal moment head on and she said this in verse 16. Go and gather together the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, because the idea was that her walking in on the king was against the law and could die from it. She says, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king and watch these next words. If... I must die. I am willing to die. <laughs> she was all in. She was all in the present. So where does that put us? Where does that put us now? I was just thinking a little bit back to just 2022 and, and even the first part of 2023 and just thinking about the things that God is doing. Think about how God has given us opportunities. But what's happening in the world around us? I mean, there's been great things that have been happening in the church. In October of 2022, Barna survey of 2,000 U.S. adults, three out of four, 74%, say that they want to grow spiritually. Additionally, the same proportion, 77%, say they believe in a higher power, and nearly half, 44%, say that they are more open to God today than before the pandemic do you see the opportunity? Do you see the opportunity for the church today? Do you see our present time? Do you see those that are that are in need and they're trying to figure it out and they don't know what to do? Listen, we don't have to focus on all the confusion and, and all the polarization. Listen, let's focus on the goal at hand. The goal at hand is that people get introduced to Jesus Christ and their lives are changed. That's it. What a great opportunity we have. Bill Hybels once stated, he said this. He said, the local church is the hope of the world. I like that. I think that's amazing that he would say something like that. Now, I would imagine that what 
when he said that, he said that because the church is God's vehicle to present the gospel, right? Mark 16, 15, go ye into the world and preach the gospel to the world, right? We're the vehicle for that. No, we're the vehicle to demonstrate love, right? He said, my disciples, you'll know them by their love for one another. Um, we're that vehicle to demonstrate love. We're that vehicle to intercede through prayer for everyone. I remember the time when Jesus steps into the, the temple and they're, and they're using it for different uh, ideas and, and they're like swindling people out of money and everything all around the holiness. And Jesus comes in. What does he do? He takes out this, this whip and, and he reaffirms what his temple is for and that it would be a house of prayer. See, whenever we begin to entreat God or invite God into our lives, we are inviting a hope and an opportunity for God to do something amazing. This needs to be a place or a house of prayer. This is why at the end of the service many times that we take time to pray. This is why we pray throughout the service multiple times because we are involving God. We're asking God to step into our lives and begin to adjust and help us to see his active will. I got all excited real quick right there. There's a lot that happens with the church of believers. And I believe here's the response. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. It says this. For I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. Maybe that's the response of the church. So as I was looking back. 2022, 20 people received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. <laughs> 10 people were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, five Bible studies. We had 516 guests. Wow. Our average attendance was 164.7. Life groups, we had 100 people involved in life groups each week, spanning from life groups of 13 all the way up to 18 life groups at a time. We had multiple quality God-honoring events. We had the Summer of Man. Oh, oh, oh. Right? That was amazing. I just want to thank uh, the ladies for giving us great food at those. We focused on spiritual engagement. We had prayer meetings, we had socials, we had men's camp. We did our LifePoint Care Day last year where we uh, helped other uh, nonprofits and helped them uh, to effectively reach what they're doing, help them with uh, odds and ends that they needed. Um, we had a LifePoint outreach. We handed out surveys. We gave away stickers, wristbands, trunk or treat, chili cook-off, had over 100 guests attend. We had a night of worship, even joined another church for theirs. We had Vacation Bible School, which was one of our largest and had the most guests we had ever had from the community. We are seeing our, our Brew 52 coffee shop used for numerous life groups and Bible studies, as well as other pastors using it for meetings and such. I'm telling you, God is doing amazing things. I don't have to read and, and see all of the, the news and, and, and get discouraged. I want you to know God is still moving. And he still has a plan. He still has an active plan. So this all revolves around where 
we are and where we have been. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about taking hold of the moment. I imagine the Jews would tell the story of Esther even till today. Oh, I think I have proof. They literally call it Purim, and that is a celebratory um, holiday that the Jews do to celebrate what has happened. See, I, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about the power of our testimony. That's when we, we took a moment and, and God did something. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the power of a testimony. Your testimony is what lives on out of each present moment. And it will continue to inspire others in what God has done in your life. We are embarking on a journey into the beyond vision. And we want to see God get all the glory for the transforming people's lives as well as allowing us to be a part of his story here in McGuanago and the surrounding areas. We're about to have worship, and during that time, I would ask you to consider your testimony on your chairs around you. There's a testimony card. And you see that something miraculously appeared over here. And this is a place where we're going to be able to put our testimonies on. And I would encourage you that we could continue to inspire, as in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, inspire good works and love in others by writing our testimony. Maybe God has done something very special for you. Maybe God has saved you from something, or, or maybe there's something that God is doing in the middle, and you're in the middle of it right now, and, and, and there's, there's going to be some, some pens around you if you need one. And, and during this worship set, um, we're going to not only worship, but if you want to write something and you want to come and post it on there, you can. We're going to use this testimony card, and, and throughout you can do that. Also... We would like to see what God is doing. And so if you have the LifePoint Church app, on the first page it says, this is my testimony or I want to put my testimony. And you can actually submit your testimony um, that we can use to celebrate together because I feel like the church needs to celebrate. So basically how this works, I've already written my testimony. And the testimony is this, that over these last couple weeks were happened to be in a new building right and uh, I have just been amazed at the people that God has moved on to give to different things in this in this facility money that wasn't budgeted for I confirm this but we have received over forty thousand dollars in the last couple months just for things in this building and that is a powerful testimony. And some of you know what I'm talking about. The Bible says in Revelations chapter 12, verse 11, it says, And they overcame him, talking about the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I would like to see... God get all the glory. I would, I would like to see the enemy of our souls in this area that his, their back is broken. 
that they cannot torment lives anymore. And why? Because, as Randall said, every soul matters. Would you stand with me? We're going to take the next couple moments, and, and during this worship time, we just want to encourage you to worship. We want to encourage you that, that even you may come and pray. You can do that. If you have a testimony, come bring and, and, and tack your testimony on here. We want to just celebrate a little bit the greatness of God. One thing, just as a side note, uh, if you remember a couple years ago in 2021, we supported the organization, the, the putting together an organization through Send Missions Initiative, and it's called Reach 7, and that's who they're going underneath uh, to go to Kenya and do some ministry. Isn't that amazing? So thank you, thank you, thank you. So I'm going to pray a dismissal, but those of you who want to stay around, we're going to have a baptism, two baptisms, and if, and if you felt like God was leading you and you wanted to be baptized, just come up and tell me. We'll get you baptized as well. Absolutely. God is good, isn't he? So let's pray. Precious Lord, I thank you so much for the service, this time that we come together. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you go with every single person and that they would see that such a time is this, that the, the, the present day power resides in you. We thank you. We honor you in the precious and holy name of Jesus. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now remember, remember that next week the children are going to be over at 560 Baby Road. We have something so special for you guys. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll have security over there and everything, so they will be fine. But we're going to have a wonderful service next week. It's going to be a lot different, but it's going to be amazing. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.